It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You are listening to the Fly the W670 podcast. This is season three. It's episode number six. Jed and Carter on the 2023, the offseason, and the path forward. Don't forget to download, listen, review. Most importantly, subscribe to the podcast. Follow us on the socials. Follow the Fly the W670 on Twitter, Instagram. Of course, we're on Facebook. And email us at flythew 670 at gmail.com. Crawley, happy Thursday, pal. Oh, man, my voice is slowly coming back. I sound I, I don't sound like a frog as bad anymore. So I think it's it, uh, the recovery from CubsCon every year. Every year takes a little bit longer for me. So <laughs> <laughs> what are you saying? It takes a little bit longer to recover, huh? A little, little bit longer. I don't have youth on my side anymore. I, you know, I, I got to find some like young interns to help me out at CubsCon so that uh, I get a little bit of rest, maybe a nap or two in there. Yeah, little uh, nap never hurt anybody. There's no <laughs> doubt about that. So we've got a lot to talk about, starting with what we heard a little bit deeper dive with uh, Jed and Carter. Yeah, on the last podcast, we you know we had the Shodi Managa press conference, which was awesome. Opening ceremonies, we talked with Cole Wright. But in this episode, we're going to look a little bit deeper into those comments made by Jed and Carter. Now, we heard from Jed when the season ended, he does the, you know, the autopsy. And then we heard both of them in the winter meetings. But to me, Dustin, it's like the Cubs convention, this is what's special about it. It allows fans to hear, you know, their thoughts and and they have to be careful about what they say. There's certain rules regarding what they can say as far as free agents and stuff like that and tampering. But you know, they're pretty honest when you listen to what they have to say. And, and so, you know, we took some of the clips uh, from last weekend, Jed and Carter talked with 670, the score was it Molly and Haw show, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, on different panels and all that stuff. So we got some good things. And there was just kind of some themes that we kind of grouped things into. Um, we talked about 2023 coming up a little bit short. And, you know, I think the, a real big part of that was the amount of blown leads at the beginning, at the end of the season, Dustin. And some of that was due to free agents not panning out, players that took a step back. Some young players couldn't get it done at the major league level. And then obviously overuse and injuries. And so when we looked at all the problems that they had, you know, this is what one player said about the bullpen. I mean, if you look to when we were playing our best ball, other than kind of right after the all-star break, right, we were scoring, you know, 40 runs a game almost. Like, I feel like we were <laughs> pummeling teams. But a lot of, you know, when we started having that success, I want to say it was the early parts of June. I think we were out in San Francisco. That's kind of when the run started. It wasn't just like a nine to two cruise games, right? Like there was a lot of 
five to threes, right. four to ones, you know, seven to six. There's a lot of close games. So when that happens, <clears throat> no one's able to get off their feet. Um, the bullpen guys are having to be ready. The position guys have to stay. Um, there, there's just so many things of like, oh, I got to keep my best players out there even for the duration of the game uh, because you'd like to be able to, you know, be up 10 to one, take a couple innings off, and that really kind of helps add some fuel at the end of the year. Uh, and same for the bullpen guys, right? right. Like, you know, Merriweather, Leiter, and Owsley are having to throw, you know, each and every day. And Fulmer stolen a ton. And we had so many guys that were warriors for three months, but we just couldn't sustain it at the end because we just didn't do a good enough job on ourselves to, you know, early on to exactly. capitalize on that. Yeah. And I think that that's where we're just talking about with the depth with Shota. And, um, you know, you, you hopefully they can build some depth in the bullpen and all of a sudden you can put different guys in different spots to be able to trust that they can get outs and we can have a better year. I mean, if you look to when we were playing our best ball, other than. So as, as we kind of listened to that clip right there, I mean, it was clear, like at the beginning of the season, you didn't have like the bullpen wasn't established, right? It, it really, and there was a lot of blown saves. I don't think anyone really knew their role. And part of that big run that they were talking about there happens around June on a West Coast trip. And San Francisco is accurate. And then all of a sudden they go on this run, but they were 10 games under Dustin. They looked dead in the water. And now they had to work their tail off to get back into it. And every guy has to play every game just to get back into it. And then, you know, those names that he mentioned, I think when, when the Cubs were doing their best, you had some combination of, you know, Merriweather, Leiter, and Alzali, you know, seven, eight, nine. But but those are guys that weren't used to having to go all those high leverage innings. And and sure enough, you know, Alzali was down at the beginning of September. You, you know, you you saw Merriweather was the one that stuck around, but uh you it looked like Leiter Jr. ran out of gas. It he seemed to have some bumps and bruises. I don't know if you know everyone does at that time, but he just kind of ran out of gas themselves. And so I think, you know. When you think about it, these are the people, Dustin, that were all in the bullpen. Alzali, Assad, Nick Birdie, Jose Quas, Jeremiah Estrada, Michael Fulmer, Brandon Hughes, Anthony Kay, Caleb Killian, Mark Leiter, Luke Little, Julian Merriweather, uh, Michael Rucker, and Drew Smiley. And so there was just this big kind of like, you know, rotation, but it wasn't like anybody you could really – there wasn't a lot of confidence in a lot of guys not named – uh, Alzali and Leiter and Merriweather. Right. And a lot of guys, they also had made the point that they wanted to have all their best arms, all their best arms up at the major league level. And guys have to learn, right? They're, they're, these are new things, like you said. A lot of guys, and, you know, it seemed like everybody was probably in one inning earlier than they probably should be in a perfect setup, right? Right. And so, you know, everybody was pitching in one higher of a leverage situation than they're probably set up to do, at least at this point in their career. And we saw that when the Cubs got Chapman and then that put that pushed um, Rondon back to eight and it pushed Strope back to seven and it just lengthened out the bullpen like you're talking mm -hmm. about. Right. Exactly and, right. And this is what, um, you know, you know, Jed said that the. Um, talking about the priority of getting more bullpen arms. We've offered, we've offered some this off season. It's not my, not my favorite thing, you know, in general. Um, but, you know, certainly the, the bullpen is a, an area of priority. Um, it's, a, it's a hard area. You, you can look at some teams that have built through multi-air deals that have struggled. And you look at some teams that have built through this smart targeted transactions that have had a lot of success. So 
there's a lot of ways to skin the bullpen cat, but we do need to um, to focus on it. Uh, you know, it was an Achilles heel last year for sure. I mean, that's pretty serious when you call it an Achilles heel, right? Yeah, yeah. There was no sugarcoating it there. Very, no. very, very direct. And we talked about this on the show. Brandon Hughes was going to be the lefty, and he was hurt, and he never got on track. And so you had no lefty out of the bullpen. Anthony Kay was given a shot, you know, later on Luke Little, who again was just getting his first taste of the bigs. And so, you know, you didn't have a lot of left-handed pitchers. And then Brad Boxberger was a guy that was really supposed to be the one that was going to be the difference maker. That was the guy that was going to kind of be the anchor. I think in Jed's world and, and bullpens, Jed brings this up a lot are very volatile. It, it kind of like makes it, it kind of evolves itself. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But I think in an ideal world, Jed had Boxberger at nine and Fulmer at eight. And, you know, Boxberger was just a disaster and Fulmer had his moments. I think he was up and down a lot. He had some, you know, good moments, some not so good moments, but I thought those two were supposed to be the anchors. And those were the guys with experience, Dustin, and, and really didn't, they weren't guys that you could count on at all during the season, really. No, mm -mm, could not. Um, We'll see what happens. I mean, there's still plenty of time to build this thing, right? Um, yeah. And you have to give them the time. You know, I mean, there's other pressing. Everything is important. Um, this just might not be the most important thing right this second, but it, it, it all it all matters. It all matters at the end of the day. Right. And one thing is, is that Bruce Levine was doing uh, inside the clubhouse and you know, talking about the possibility of trading and, and then the name that keeps come, uh, coming up. And I heard it, I think it was yesterday morning, Emmanuel Kloss from the Guardians. He was up there. Um, he, uh, Bruce mentioned the Astros, Ryan Stanek, and then the Mets, Adam Adovino, who I swear the Cubs were in on years ago, like six, seven years ago. He was with the Mets. But, you know, a veteran presence, I think, is going to be something that you really kind of want to have here. And I think any one of those guys – now, now, Klaus is going to, from Cleveland is going to cost you. That that's going to be a, a painful one. But the Cubs, as we're going to talk about later, have prospects. If you're willing to make the trade, I, I always felt that Jed really has done a good job with bullpens. This was the one year that just didn't happen. Like I said, a couple guys just didn't pan out. Boxberger primarily, but when when Jed and Carter were talking about um, bullpens, I, I thought I I talked about this on the last episode. I really was impressed with Carter Hawkins. Um, he talked about the bullpen usage and how it had changed. And this is what he had to say. Last year, I thought that we, we got tired. You know, it was a strange season that way. Um, early in the season, our bullpen was fine. Uh, we had the bad 45-day stretch, sort of May and early June. The bullpen struggled, and then they struggled again in September. Um, you know, I, I think some of that was not having enough depth down there. And then some of that was the fact that we, just, we were winning every game for three months and that takes a toll on the on the bullpen like i said we didn't have the depth to get through that and that's a big focus both making sure our guys in the, in, that come up through the, the system can can handle that depth and also making sure we add that depth uh in free agency and trade before the season but you know the game has changed so much now it used to be that you could kind of pencil in your you know your rotation we used to always talk about you know can we get 950 to a thousand innings out of the rotation i mean that feels like you know, 100 years ago, um, you have to have so many arms to, to win the battle now. now. It's not just about, you know, the, the 13 guys we pencil in. It's probably closer to 25 or 30. And the team that can get through the, the, the battle is going gonna, is gonna to be effective now. So um, the game has changed. 
the velocity has changed, the way people uh, the way people pitch. I mean, talking to our new manager about it, I mean, yeah, he wants to give guys extra rest. You know, he's not looking for guys to be pitching 170, 180 innings. He knows that you know 120 to 140 is probably a lot. How do we mix and match all the guys to get through you know, the 1440 of the year? And it's a real challenge now. And I think that is where the job has changed the most. That almost every night we're talking about a roster move. Is it, you know, are we fresh enough? Do we need to get a, a pitcher? Um, that was never the case. You know, now it's very rare you don't use four and five pitchers in every single game, and uh, that's not just the Cubs; that's everybody. So um, it's definitely a very different perspective on team building than it used to be. Even you know, looking at 2016 when we had, you know, you know, you just had Lester and Jake and Lackey and Hamill and Hendricks eating up so many innings. Like no one in baseball has that anymore. I mean, that, that's that, you know, when you think about it, we were talking Fergie Jenkins when he got a statue, how many, how many times he pitched 200 innings and, and now it's just becoming a rarity. And, and now, now Jets saying 120, 140, and you hear everybody talking about the fact that you're only going to let your starter go three times through the order. And so as you look at that, Dustin, I looked at the records of the Cubs in 2023, when they led in the sixth inning, they were 11 and 13. When they were, I'm sorry, when they were tied in the sixth inning, they were 11 13. When they were tied in the seventh, they were seven and 12. When they were tied in the eighth, they were seven and eight. When they were tied in the ninth, they were three and seven. Extra inning games, they were three and six. One run games, they were 21 and 24. Two run games, they were nine and 17. So it seems like every close game, Dustin, they, they lost a lot of close games. And that's, you know, part of it's going to be on the offense. You got to score more runs. But at the same time, if you're tied, you know, you also have an opportunity to win that. And they just didn't do that a lot. No, no. And those are some great statistics that you're sharing about what guys did in the uh, different innings and different usages. Um, and yeah, everybody's got to be, you know, of a, a mindset. Uh, to me, I don't, I don't get it. I, I want to talk to Tommy Hadovy about it more. I don't understand why you can't just be given the ball. Go get the guy out. Like, why, why does it matter? Like, uh, there's a guy on base, and it's the ninth inning, it's the seventh inning, it's the sixth. Here's the ball. Get on the mound. Get the guy out that's up to bat. I, I, I just don't I, – I don't, I don't get it. Like, it, you know, everybody has a job to do, right? And, like, it usually doesn't change based on the hour of the day that you're in. Like, okay, because you're in your seventh hour of your workday – you're expected to do more or less than you were in hour number two of your workday. Now your responsibilities could change, of course, but at the end of the day, usually it's the same thing. You, you know, Crowley, your, your big boy job is to teach kids, right? right. It doesn't matter. It, it doesn't change. Like how you teach them doesn't change in six period versus what it did in second period. Now it might be a different age kid. It might be a different subject, but at the end of the day, it's teaching. Here's the ball, get the batter out. It'd be interesting to talk to Tommy about that or, or, you know, maybe, you know, and, and then kind of compare that to what a veteran pitcher might say, you know what I mean? Like, you know, mm -hmm. back in the day, it's just, it's a different mentality. Uh, I think it's kind of, you know, I wouldn't be an expert on it, but maybe how they came up, how they've been coached through all these different leagues and, and everything like that. I mean, possibility uh, two players from last year that I think are going to be a big part of the story this year. And they talked about them with say Suzuki and Christopher Morell. Dustin, if you remember, Saya came to camp last season all buff, ready to play in the WBC, and an oblique injury knocks him off. 
he did okay and started to pick it up, but then he went into a horrific slump and he got benched. And after that benching, Saya played like a man possessed. And this is what, and there's an interesting story of how he got back on track. This is what Jed had to say about that. Ultimately, when you look at a team that has, that outproduces its expectations, you know, you, you look at our projections at the beginning of the year. In order to win, the teams that win, the teams that go, you know, uh, further than expected, those are always going to be teams that a couple players, you know, they, they're projected for two and a half, they, do, they go to four and a half wins, right? And so you have to expect that. And I think Say is one of those guys that can definitely do that. Um, he's immensely talented. Um, he really is. I think what we saw at the end of the year hopefully was a harbinger of things to come where he's, he's starting to get comfortable. You know, kind of a funny story. We're talking about velocity. And, uh, you know, the struggle for him early last year and, and some of the time over here was just putting the ball on the ground. You know, his exit velocities are elite. You know, he's hitting the ball 107 miles an hour, but it's on one hop to the shortstop. And, um, and so he's, that was kind of what he was working on. How do I get the ball in the air more, especially to the pull side? And so... Things started to click for him, and obviously he had a monster August and September, and he was getting the ball in the air more. And um, I was asking those guys, like, "Hey, what what changed? Like, what was the what was the big moment?" And uh, the big moment was he was struggling, and we're playing the Reds. Uh, I think it was early. I think it was early August, like right after the deadline. And it was one of those games. We scored like whatever 19, 20 runs in a couple of those games, and he was facing um, a position player pitching at the end of the game. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And he was just like, okay, just swing nice and smooth, catch the ball out front. The guy's throwing 58 miles an hour, and he hit a huge homer. Was that? The guy throwing 58 won't get hurt, by the way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and so he hit a long home run against a position player, and it was like, that was it. That's the swing. Catch it out front. And from that day forward, he took off, which is great. So it's, it's amazing when people talk about like what those moments are, that things click. It was just like thinking about catching the ball out front. And so my hope and our hope, obviously, is that, you know, he had a year and a half to transition. It's a hard transition, um, but that we saw the the player he can be. Because I, I do think he's got one of the best right-hand swings in baseball. Uh, he's so tooled up. Our hope is that he can really uh, start taking off now. Did you hear that, Dustin? One of the best right-hand swings in baseball. Yeah, that's... Uh... Mighty that's, big praise. That's really, it's really big praise. Really big praise. But Dustin, I was looking at this in the first month back for Seiya Suzuki in May, first full month. He came like mid-April. I just looked at the month of May. He hit 319. Then in June, he hit 177. In July, he hit 240. And then that game that Jed's talking about was August 2nd versus the Reds. He hit that home run. Um, and from that point in July, he, in August, he hit 321 and in September he hit 370. So, you know, when Jed was talking about guys, you know, if you're going to be a winning team, certain guys have to outperform say is going to have to be one of those guys. 
Mm-hmm. No doubt, no doubt about it. No doubt. You know, I think there's more in the tank, and I, I, I'm, I'm very interested to see what happens now. One of the names that you know that we've kind of taken a look at is Christopher Morell. And Dustin, you and I were a little shocked last year, start of the season. He's in Iowa, right? Yep. Gets called up in May, and he does what he continues to do: hit home runs. The question with Morell is where does he play? Now he's been the subject of trade rumors all winter long. There, there hasn't been, you know, he's been tied to so many different trades with so many different teams, Cleveland, the Mets, go, go, go down the list. But right now the Cubs have saw him play first and third in the Dominican winter league, but where he plays or if he plays for the Cubs in 2024 still is unknown. Carter had an interesting comparison to Morrell, and, and I really liked Carter's answer on this one. We had similar questions, and I don't want to compare talents because it's not fair to, to Mo, but similar questions of where's Jose Ramirez going to play, you know, back in 2014, 2015. He was a shortstop coming up. Lindor is playing shortstop. He could play second. Kipnis was playing second. Can he play third? Well, we have some pretty good third basemen. Can he play the outfield? I don't know, but we think this guy can hit. We're going to figure out a way to get him into the lineup. And I think it's a really similar question that we're working through with, with Chris, which is he can hit. We have to figure out ways to get him in the lineup. That's why we had him working at first base in the offseason. The Dominicans sent coaches down there. That's why he's working in multiple different positions. You know, if you have a bat that will play in the major leagues, we will find a spot for you to play in the major leagues. We've all seen that he's able to move around. I was talking on the score yesterday, and I was saying something similar to this, and they said, are, are you filibustering right now? And it's like, no, I'm just literally going through all of our different positions and realizing, like, yeah, like if he can step up at any of those, his bat is going to be something that just forces us to pencil him in the lineup. Worst case, he DHs a lot. Best case, he's playing great defense for us. He certainly has the athleticism, the hands, the ability to do it. I think there's an opportunity for him to be a great all-around player, and that's the thing that we're going to work on really hard for this offseason. Now, Dustin, I'm I'm sitting here and, and I'm listening to him, and he's right. Second and short are taken. Outfield spots are taken. So what does that leave him? It leaves him first, third, and DH. And so it has to be one of those three, and I keep kind of getting mixed, mixed messages. Is it good for him to be toolsy, or do they want him to play one place at the same time, you know, one position, and just focus on that? Um, I think with the signing of Michael Bush, it doesn't mean anything because Michael Bush hasn't proven it in the major league level yet. Right. But I – Hopefully, yeah, right. Yet's the key word, right? Mm -hmm. But I mean, other than DH, I just don't see where you would put him, right? Right. Well, today, well, I mean, here's the thing: if they were playing, we had this on the on the score today. David Haw and I had a little back back and forth on this. (laughs) The Cubs had to play a game this Sunday. This Sunday, opening day. This Sunday, who's playing third base, based on the roster today? Who's playing third base? I think it's it's one to, in my opinion, it's one of two people. But I want to hear your opinion. And we didn't plan on this, so I'm kind of I apologize that I'm kind of no 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 no. I, I was listening this morning. I listened this morning. I heard the 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 fingernail debate, but um, uh, yeah, <laughs> we won't go there. But I think we can that if you want, but yeah. I think Morel would would definitely you got, you got to give him a try. If if he's going to be on the team, that's where he's got to be. That that's just where I kind of sit there now. So where where is he playing? Third base. Third base. Okay, so your opening day third baseman is Christopher Morel. Okay, that's yes. fine. Your that's opening day, your opening day first baseman is. I I would so I would say, um, and I'm going to talk about this in a little bit, but I would say I would platoon Michael Bush and Patrick Wisdom. Okay, and then who's DHing? 
Open uh, day. The, you know, at, at that point, you know, it's have to take a look. But, you know, I think you can kind of rotate those guys around a little bit. You know what I mean? Depending on the situation, righties, lefties, playing matchups. Okay. I don't think right. And then PCA is obviously in center field for you. Yes. And Nick, Nick Madrigal is your pinch hitter. You could have Nick Madrigal as a pinch hitter. Mike Talkman's still on the team. Um, couple, and I think Mike Talkman's going to do better. So I mean, I think you could see. I, I got a feeling we might see a couple more platoons this year in center field right. to start off. I'm saying that, first, doesn't, first that doesn't really, as a season ticket holder, Crawley, and as a long time Cubs fan, that that opening day lineup doesn't do a whole hell of a lot for you, does it? Uh not yet. I, right. I think there's right. moves to be made still, and right. so you know. Jed but I actually- think I think a couple of the guys, and part of this, and we're going to get into this later in the podcast. You know, we're talking about the Cubs having um, five prospects in the top fifty. Okay, five five prospects in the top fifty. But to me, two of the five are really not prospects because they need to be playing on opening day at this point. Right, and they'll be graduated up, and the Cubs still have a lot coming through. Um, but you know, Jed did talk about this, this slow off season, and it has been absolutely slow. And this is what Jed had to say. Some off seasons are really fast and some are slow. And this is, this has been a slow one. And, you know, obviously there's really good players out there. You know, we've made a couple moves. I think we have a, a few more in us for sure, but you can't speed it up. You right. know, um, I think our job is to get good deals, not to just do deals. You know, I mean, anyone can, anyone can do a deal anyone can say yes, you know, to the agent's asking price. And if you do that, then you're going to run out of money really quickly, you know? And so, you know, the, the vet is trying to get the right deal for the organization. That's our job is to invest, you know, Tom and the family's money as wisely as we can. And we're, we're going to do that. So we can't speed it up, but obviously there's really good players out there and um, we have to be somewhat patient. Slow is an understatement, Dustin. It's like, you know what, going uphill. That's how slow it is. Right. Basically, it's almost almost in reverse. From the end of October, from the beginning of October, October 1st until January 5th, the Cubs did not sign a single player to their major league roster. They were the only, they were the last team to sign a team to the major league roster. And so if you're looking at that, you know, the Cubs made their first move on January 5th claiming Brian Severt off waivers from Colorado. The first big move came with the signing of Shodi Managa. That's January 9th, Dustin. That's three days before CubsCon, a little over a week ago. And then they made a trade the same day to get Michael Bush and reliever Yancey Almonte, giving up Jackson Ferris was the big piece on that one. And then uh, poor Brian Severn, who was the first one that they, they the waiver claim, they had to DFA him for Imanaga. So, I mean, there are players out there and, and, you know, it it should be interesting when you talk about Imanaga, we, we talked about him last time, you know, you have more lefties in the rotation this year than righties, technically, uh, if you're talking about today's rotation and, you know, the pitching philosopher, I mean, I I think he's a guy that we're both excited about. And from the clip that we played earlier about Jed, 140 innings, I think Imanaga can hit that. I don't think he can hit, you know, 180 or anything like that. I think 140 is more reasonable. The other one, Dustin, that you talked about was was Michael Bush. He's a 26-year-old who is one of the Dodgers' top prospects, one of the top prospects in all of baseball, but he was blocked by Freddie Freeman. You know what I mean? You're not playing ahead of Freddie Freeman. And so Bush, they tried playing him in second base. He's 6'1", 210 pounds. He's a lefty, much better hitter than a defender, so to speak. And so, like I said, the Dodgers tried to shoehorn him in at second where they had a need, and that's very similar to Morell. You know what I mean? Like, 
Sometimes you just try to shoehorn a guy in. He played first base and left in college. He hits well off of righties as expected. He struggles against lefties. So Dustin, that's where a platoon with wisdom could really be something that Cub fans could be interested in because we know wisdom obviously is the opposite. He's a righty who hits really well off of lefties. And so you got a guy with wisdom who can hit for 20 some home runs. And if you get a guy like, uh, you know, Bush who can maybe, I don't know, it's, it's projecting, but if he can maybe hit 20 home runs, which isn't a lot for a first baseman, right? But between the two of them, you might be able to get 40, 45 home runs out of the first base position. Yeah, and that and that's you can live with that, right? It's just a matter of how many strikeouts go along with that, right? Right. But you gotta go, you know, there has to just be some fear in that some guy's gonna take you deep. And when wisdom gets hot, he gets hot. And oh, yeah. and, and hopefully Bush can do the same. Um, but you know, there's still players out there, there's wins that are are we could still have. You know, we looked at we we created this chart to to kind of take a look at everything. And a lot of those names are still out there. When you look at a lot uh, of those names are still out there, right? Blake Snell, uh, Jordan Montgomery, Matt Chapman, Cody Bellinger. But Dustin, when you talked about the prospects and I know sometimes we fall in love with our own prospects, there's just something in me that keeps thinking that maybe they just don't want to make a big splash and block guys where you're talking about Matt Shaw. One of their top prospects is going to be playing more third you know, some of some of those guys now first base. I mean, Bush is a guy, you know, but if you're telling me that you can get Cody Bellinger and he'd be happy playing first, I would be happy with that decision. A hundred percent. I still think I don't think Matt Chapman's coming. I still think Cody Bellinger is going to be a cub. I could be wrong. And again, Bellinger was clearly the elephant in the room at Cubs con. And you have to be careful about what you say. But I think that Jed Hoyer summed it up perfectly. Uh, when he said this about Cody Bellinger. No, I think in general you have to um, – there's a lot of paths that can lead to, to winning. There's not one path that, that leads to winning. Obviously, um, I really like Cody. We've got a great relationship, and he's a great player. Um, but, yeah, all the all roads can't lead that direction. You know, you have to have a lot of contingencies. And that's not just about him. It's about anyone, you know, that um, – if you build a team where one player gets hurt and you can't win, that's not a very good team. You know, this isn't the NBA. Uh, you got to build a team that has depth. You got to build a team that, you know, if someone goes down, you have to have a next man up mentality. And you know, depth is really important. So, you know, if if you can't build a team that if you take one player off that team, they're not very good. We have to look at free agency kind of the same way. Um, and so, I think that's how I see it. There's a lot of paths for us to be really good. Um, I'm excited about our team, and you know, we have more moves in store. This offseason for sure. You know, we're, we're certainly not done, but it can't be a one player makes the offseason type deal. Dustin, if if uh, Shohei Otani got injured in April, would you th- still think the Dodgers are favorites to win the World Series? I don't know about win the World Series, but definitely be in the postseason still, yeah. Yeah, I would say get far. If you remember when the Braves won a few years ago, Ronald Acuna was injured. He didn't play. And they still won the World Series. Right. It makes sense, but you have to have a lot of talented players. I don't think the Cubs there are yet. There, there's got to be some more moves because, as of right now, the Cubs' biggest move was signing manager Craig Council away from the Brewers. And we'll dive deeper into what Craig had to say at CubsCon on the next podcast. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story and one of the best 
stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. 